A few months ago, I was telling you here on the podcast that rather than a New Year's resolution, I had developed a New Year's word, a word for me to keep in mind for the year that would challenge me. And that word was unapologetic. Unapologetic. I thought it was the perfect word for me because I have a habit of almost continually apologizing for everything, really. And I have a thought that, oh, maybe I have had more than my share, that I have too many blessings, that I don't deserve the lovely family that I have or the experiences I get to enjoy. And I also think that I'm so often missing the mark and not doing enough that I'm disappointing people or letting them down. So I thought, yeah, unapologetic. That's the word. Brilliant. And this week, I was being coached by my coach, Bev Aaron, and I was telling her how I was, I don't know, trying to tiptoe around my family obligations just to make sure that no one was being inconvenienced in any way by my coaching schedule or my podcast recording or this new equipment that I'm learning to use slowly. And I was telling my coach, Bev, isn't it ironic? I'm feeling that maybe my family thinks it's a pain that I have these commitments. And my word for the year is unapologetic. Terrible word, said my coach, Bev. She said, that's just a terrible word for you, unapologetic. It just reinforces the idea that apologies are your default setting, that apologies are even necessary for you to go out and do what it is you want to do. She asked, what if we decided that it doesn't even make sense, humans apologizing for their lives, for taking up space, for having preferences or dreams or careers or goals? It makes no sense to apologize for your life. Being apologetic sounds good, but it just argues with something that doesn't even bear arguing with. <laughs> so, mind blown, <laughs> Coach Bev, 100% correct, and I could see that instantly. Yeah, because self-coaching and using the life coaching tools is amazing, but we do it, I did it, from inside my brain. And it's just no substitute for a coach listening to you from outside your brain. So course correction, trying on a new word, mid-May, not quite mid-year, but is it time to reevaluate some of the thoughts you came into 2021 with? No apologies for my word. I was brilliant choosing unapologetic at New Year's because it started to open my mind and it started to open my thoughts just enough just enough to create a little bit of space for me to really hear it when my coach offered me another word. You're going to like it. It's a good one.
Hello, veg heads and veg your besties. Welcome back to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here every single week to encourage you to eat more plants and set an impossible goal, whatever that is for you. And today it's Veg Your Best episode 36, Correcting Course. So we are coming up on mid-year 2021 and seeing where we want to make some course corrections. You know the idea that transcontinental airliners are off course maybe 90% of the time. They take off from a specified place at a scheduled time and they have a flight plan to get somewhere else specific at another scheduled time. And in between, there are thousands, thousands of circumstances, right? There's wind, there's the jet stream, there's seasonal storms, turbulence, maybe even mechanical issues, an ill passenger, an unscheduled emergency stop. But even on the most uneventful flight, the course needs to be corrected continually continually to respond to the atmospheric conditions. So imagine, flight leaves on time, arrives on time, even though it has spent maybe 90% of the flight off course and being reoriented by the pilot, the built-in computer system, and air traffic control. So if it's mid-year, almost mid-year when this episode comes out and you think, hmm, maybe I am not quite on track. This is for you today. Did you hope or plan slash resolve slash believe last January that by mid-year you would be, well, you might be somewhere else with your financial goals, with your career, your fitness? Does your plan indicate that you should be halfway through a rough draft of your novel by now or that you should have finished a 5K road race? Maybe you had a plan to meditate daily or go to yoga every week or cut back on alcohol during the week or stay off social media or limit your consumption of animal products. And if so, it's really tempting to think one of two things. I'm off course, so something's wrong with me. Or... I'm off course, someone is making this impossible for me. And sometimes it can be a combination, like someone is keeping me from doing what I want, so there must be something wrong with me for letting that happen. There's no end to how creative we can be with beating ourselves up. And if you're like me, the someone who you sometimes think makes it impossible for you to do the thing you want is also one of the people you love most in the world. So then you hate yourself for ever thinking that. We've talked about that here before, when we use the people we love as an excuse. So this is a habit for some of us. We've done it a long, long time. And we keep finding evidence that reproves the fact that something's wrong with us or someone's keeping us from our dreams. 
Maybe we think our families of origin set us up in the wrong way. Or we think there's something just a little bit or a lot wrong with us that we haven't got this handled yet after all this time. So, course correction. Do you think that air traffic control loses their shiitake mushrooms every single time the plane is a little bit off course? Or the pilot? No. No, of course not. Or no one would be able to handle that job because, as I said, the flights are always going off course and being corrected. So the pilot doesn't hate herself, and the co-pilot doesn't berate the pilot, and air traffic control doesn't hide their heads in shame and a pint of vegan ice cream. They get the plane from point A to point B on schedule. And if it's off schedule, they look at the data and they decide whether certain routes are timed correctly. Is it thunderstorm season? Is the jet stream in a seasonal pattern? Are certain airspaces particularly busy? Data. Data. Why? Because that's what they do. They own it. All that drama and self-loathing and doubting ourselves when we are off course could simply be optional, right? If this month you get on the scale or you look at your checking account or see how many pages you've written or notice that you've been eating things you said you didn't want to eat, you have the same option as the pilots and air traffic control. You can just look at the data you have and course correct. And you do that by owning where you are, really owning your results in your life. That was the word my coach Bev Aaron suggested I try on instead of unapologetic. Owning. Owning everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yes, and there are circumstances like other people and what they say or what they do. Circumstances like laws and taxes, illness, broken appliances and promises, co-workers, weather, babies born, Wi-Fi not working, people who die, jobs that disappear, prices that change, items that are sold out in the store, viruses that spread. Yeah, being human means being born into a world with millions of changing circumstances, like the jet flying through changing weather patterns. If we practice owning our lives, we get a chance to notice that we can constantly course correct without thinking that something terrible has gone on here. Without holding a lot of other people and things responsible for how we show up. You know, the most remarkable people we ever read about or meet are never the ones who were just comfortable from birth to death, are they? No, we don't wish for things we think are painful. But when we own our lives, we can remember that human beings were built for all of it. We're built to see or experience injustice and then take a stand against it. 
and we're built to see puppies and want to cuddle them. And we're built to see illness and try and find a cure or try to comfort when there is no cure. We are built to experience betrayal and realize just how good it feels when there is trust. And we're built to rejoice in new life, knowing that death is certain. When we practice owning the things we love and the things we don't love in our lives, knowing that it is just the way of the world, we start to really connect with the power that there is in our smallest actions. Because if I'm looking to blame and demonize and despair, I'm overlooking the power I have to correct myself, to educate myself, and to serve others in despair. And if I'm condemning myself and believing that I'm unworthy or I've had more than my share, I'm not fully present to how I can share and teach and hold others up. Well, we haven't talked Stoics in quite a while. So it might be a moment to remind you that Marcus Aurelius said, We have the power to hold no opinion about a thing and to not let it upset our state of mind. For things have in themselves no power to shape our judgment. I'm going to say that one more time. We have the power to hold no opinion about a thing and not to let it upset our state of mind. For things have in themselves no power to shape our judgment. Now, Marcus did not write that down in his meditations because it was easy or obvious or natural. He wrote it down because it was a thought he wanted to practice. As emperor of Rome, he lived through plague and constant war and the death of many of his children. He wrote the words in his meditations down because he was the most powerful man in the known world and he knew he wanted to rule himself first, to own himself. People try to get away from it all, wrote Marcus, to the country to the beach, to the mountains, but you can get away from it anytime you like with your mind. Hmm. What if the pilot insisted that the airliner resist the jet stream and the storm systems or the volcanic ash columns and the unexpectedly heavy air traffic over some cities after flights have been unable to land for an hour? Right? It's absurd resisting what is, Resisting the weather, resisting reality. Owning ourselves, owning everything about our lives means taking full responsibility, not just when things are going as planned or as we prefer. And owning it all doesn't mean that it will seem easy either. It was hard enough that As emperor, at the peak of the Roman Empire, Marcus felt the need to write those words, not to teach others, but to remind himself. 
some things we learn and then that's it, right? I struggled with the seven times table in the multiplication table, but once I learned it, I learned it. But owning ourselves, making peace with what is, that's a practice for human beings. We don't learn it once and have it at our command. And one of the reasons that we don't always own our power and stay focused on what we have at our command is because, well, the negativity bias, remember? Which episode was that one? With our cognitive biases, they draw our brain's attention to the negative. So we overestimate what's wrong and what's out of our power, and we underestimate the power we do have. A very recent example that you may have heard me complain about is my frozen shoulder. The medical term is adhesive capsulitis, which sounds like a Lithuanian cellophone tape, but it's a painful condition and it reduces the range of motion I have. And I've been doing the physical therapy exercises for months and feeling more than a little miserable that they just make my arm hurt more. Or after I do them, the muscles go into spasms and it makes no difference. And honestly, been going on for months. So recently, as I was showing my husband the book of exercises, he asked why I wasn't doing the first couple of them, which are just, you know, hanging my arm down and circling the arm in the joint clockwise, counterclockwise. And I rolled my eyes and I did the dumb preliminary exercises for him and did the rest of them after and realized, what the heck? The more aggressive exercises were so much less painful and I had so much more range of motion than usual. Those dumb preliminary exercises that I had been ignoring that I had completely discounted helped warm up the shoulder and lubricate the joint and actually allowed the other exercises to help me. And while I was busy feeling sorry for myself and concentrating on my lack of power, I was regularly avoiding something that actually made a difference. And you may be wondering, what is wrong with me? <laughs> what, I know, I'm not proud of it, but I bet, I bet, and I bring this up only because I bet there's something in your life that's similar. Something that's fully in your power that you have been discounting and deriding and saying it's not enough or it won't make any difference or maybe it'll make a difference, but it won't be fast enough, right? What is it for you? Coach, Coach Cara Lowenthal, she calls this the infinite 1%. The biggest difference, she says, is not between doing one push-up and 100. It's between doing zero push-ups and one. The infinite 1%. Just owning the things that are in your control, no matter how small, is a way to completely reorient yourself. We all know the feeling of our brains being hijacked by the things that are out of our control. 
We like the idea that it will take massive action, a new plan, some new hack that will make it all possible, the new, new thing. Instead, when we fully own what we don't love as much as what we do love, we get our power back. Experiment with that today. Pick one area, one area where you have been thinking that you can't make a difference. Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Could it be your finances, a medical issue, your food choices? Is it looking for vegan substitutes for shoes or clothing? I promise you that these small choices, these small areas of focus, they build. They build and they remind your brain that you do always have a choice. You may not have all the choices, but you always have the power to show up as the person you want to be with the choices you do have. But to do that, you have to own it. Sometimes, sometimes you'll hit it out of the park. And sometimes you'll struggle. And sometimes you'll feel so uncomfortable or embarrassed or sad or angry or resentful or tired. And you know what you'll do then? You'll just course correct. No apologies needed. Discomfort is the price of admission to a meaningful life. And if you own it, discomfort doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong. Pivot. Course correct. When you feel that ownership of your life, you will see the power you actually have. All the great things in your life, look at you. You did that. And all the things you like a lot less... I know they are less fun to own, but when you do own them, I promise you will get so much more excited about your life. It matters that you are here. And if you would like help making a course correction in your magnificent life, it would be my honor to be your coach. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.